Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. We got some new members joining the church? All right. So some of the members are actually old school OG members or whatever, so they're not brand new. Some of the people are brand new, but since we switched our name to the Ville Church back in January, we haven't done a membership deal or whatever where we've actually... Um, you know, made new members. So they're actually brand new members of the Ville Church as opposed to the Image Church that we used to be. Um, so I'm really excited about that this morning. Y'all excited about that? It's a, it's a good thing when, the, when God's church is being built up and being added to, wouldn't y'all say? I think it's a really good thing. You know, it's an amazing thing for several reasons. It's an amazing thing because it's quite obvious to me that Satan hates the church. Right? It's obvious. The word on the streets or whatever is that the church is fake. The church is flaky. There's so much disdain towards church. If you're a member of a church, then you suffer ridicule in some senses for like, it's like, oh, you stupid. That stuff's not real or whatever and all of that. But the church is constantly under attack or some type of skepticism. You have, you know, and then you're trying to like hold up the banner or whatever and represent it. Then, you know, people come in from work and they're watching the news and they're like, yo, did you hear about this pastor falling? And it's kind of like, it's just a whole mess a little bit sometimes, you feel me? Um, even this week or whatever, I was just watching like where um, people were getting on Joel Olstein. This isn't a shout out to Joel Olstein. I don't really necessarily rock with some of his messages, messages sometimes, but I'll say this right here. People were like, you know, because they were getting on him about like, you know, the, 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 everything that's going on in Texas. And they were saying that, you know, you didn't really show up and your church didn't show up to help people. I have no idea if any of that is true. But I know people were super happy to share the story, right? They're super happy to share the story. They was like, boom, boom, homeboys, they faking, they fronting or whatever. And I think what's hard for me, no matter what, who, what kind of pastor, if I believe them or whatever the case is, is that at the end of the day, the narrative of the church gets beat up on, right? The beauty of the church and the way, God, the way I know God feels about the church, the story of who the church is called to be the credibility is being wiped from up, up under it. You get where I'm coming from? So it's problematic. It ends up being so problematic all the time, whatever. I got friends or whatever that, you know, they're activists from what they say, but when I watch them on Facebook, all they do is come at the church's throat all day long. And as soon as they post something, everybody's just on it. Yeah, I know this and that, da, da, da. Like, a lot of us have church hurt. We have, like, little war wounds and stories we, we've been on and everything else or whatever, but you just see it happening, Right? And it's nothing new because when we look inside of um, the Bible, we see Paul addressing things going on in his church that I think would make the church blush today, right? I'm going to spare you some of the stories Paul talked about when he was talking about his church. But it was even, what's crazy to me is when you look in the Bible and you see Paul addressing the church and addressing some of the flaws in the church, he always calls them saints, which has always been weird to me. I'm like, why are you calling these people saints? When homeboys messing with his mom, anyway, it gets real crazy. It's worse than loving hip-hop out here, all right? And I'm just telling you, whatever. It's like really, really going down, all right? And so, but nevertheless, he keeps calling them saints because it's like he has this notion that, like, they're going to change. He's like he's resolute in this hope that the church isn't stuck where it's at, right? So I want to talk about what that, what that is. What is he resolute about? I want to get into all of that, right? But yeah, the church is, it can be a scary thing sometimes, right? But 
When someone, when someone commits themselves to the church, right, to their mission, its leadership, the community it's in, right, to financially give to the mission, to serve and love others, um, and love people who may not always love you back, right, to give their precious time to show up and clean bathrooms like Miss Diana did this morning. Shout out to Miss Diana, right? Cheyenne, and this is not a joke to make you laugh, this is the truth. Cheyenne was actually sweeping this morning with a flashlight in the dark. You got to give some claps up for that. That's, you're probably perplexed, like, why was she, sw- the, 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 the breaker trip. So she got the flashlight, and she had it like, she had worked a little thing where she was just like, and it was good when she did it. I was like, wow. Best dedication, right? Amidst all this attacks on the church, you got people who are devoting their time. I came this week or whatever, and I saw my man Chris Scott. It was early in the morning. He was cutting the yard, right? He's cutting the yard out there trying to get our whatever grass we got left, you know what I'm saying, together. But he was in his, his, his fire department uniform. He came straight from work. Nick Vertroff's been cutting the grass for the longest. I don't think anybody's ever asked him. He's just been doing it for years. Said comes and does hospitality every week, right, and leads a team of people or whatever. You got our kids workers, super gangsta in the back. Some of y'all know y'all got some monsters back there, you know. You're trying to just sit there or whatever, but you, you know when you, when you, I see it in your face. As soon as you check them in, you just look at the people like, and, and all that. You know what I'm saying? For real. I see them coming to get you, to get your kids, and you be like dipping around the seats like, like they trying to hide from them and, and all type of stuff or whatever. So like, man, they, they, they're beautiful back there. And then um, what else, you know? We just went to the school board a little bit to start a little noise to fight for the evac crew. And it was so beautiful to look up and see the church super deep in there, coming to the podium, like speaking on their behalf. You feel me? So when I look around the church and see people tolerate our awkward questions on our membership form, y'all know they're kind of awkward, and then still fill it out and say they want to join our church, right? I'm only left to believe that the church is nothing less than a miracle of God, right? And a manifestation of his love. The church is precious, right? The church is precious. So it's a beautiful thing for us to see people become members and devote themselves to the church, right? God loves his church. Let me show you how precious the church is to him. We're going to be in Ephesians 5, 22, 32. I'm not going to preach long this morning. Um, anytime I say things like that, it's usually a lie. But this time, I'm going to try to to honor my word. So I'm going to move a little bit quick. Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. Ladies, don't throw nothing at me because the way this verse starts. All right? Don't side-eye me. We're in church. All right. Starts off like this right here. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, he's about to get on the husband's wives, so don't trip, all right? He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we were members of his body. We are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Listen to verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church, right? So, the, so Christ's love for the church serves as an example of how we love our spouses, right? But let us explore his love for the church and look at what we see here, right? In verse 25, he says this, Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. So one of the things I think about when I hear something like that, I, like many people, at some point, I kind of, I guess, gave up on the church, where I kind of had my thing where I'm like, no, I love the Lord. I just don't like his children, right? You have heard people say that before. I'm like, I just don't like, I don't like his children at all. And so, you know, it made me kind of take a couple steps back because of some of the things like being in church and kind of being grieved at some of the processes and everything else. I was like, I'm going to kind of jump ship and I'll go, I'll go be a pastor in the street or whatever that meant or whatever, right? But what I didn't miss is that I was actually, in many ways, disrespecting something that was so precious to God. And that's an understatement because when we talk about it being precious to God, how precious are we talking about? We're talking about so precious that he actually sent his son to die for it, right? Sent his son to die for it. He says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So when we see Jesus on the cross, right? When we talk about him dying on the cross, got the thieves on the side of him, and he is willfully giving himself on the cross as a sacrificial lamb to redeem fallen mankind. What he has in his mind on the flip side of this cross, number one is eternity, God's glory, and he has the church in mind. You get where I'm coming from? So when I started looking at this, I had to take a couple steps back and kind of go, man, this is not really something you kind of nonchalantly run your mouth about. This is God's church, right? And it made me kind of realize, I'm like, actually, I'm actually punking out here. The brave people are actually at the table in the middle of this mess, working through the mess on how to love the church and see the church be built, right? But, but we also look at the text and they call the church his bride. We don't advocate violence, but if somebody disrespects your wife in here, fellas, how you gonna get? Okay. All right. All right. Unball your fist up. All right. So, man, what does it look like when we disrespect Christ's church, right? Verse 26, he says, that I might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, right? So that I might present her, so that, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or equal or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. God takes responsibility for the church. The same way somebody is like, if somebody comes to criticize your wife, you're like, yo, chill out, homeboy. This is my, this is my baby, all right? It's my girl. It's my, chill out. Look, I got this, right? Anybody know where I'm coming from with that? Even ladies, you feel me? Somebody come like, yo, your man, this is, you be like, hold up. Hold up, boo-boo. <laughs> That's my man. You get where I'm coming from? That's how you're talking in the, in the, in the words. It's the same thing. He takes responsibility. He takes responsibility. And when we take responsibility, doesn't that mean that we don't see that things are actually broken? 
or things need to be fixed or church, you could tighten up on this. That's great because it means that we're going to be improving and we're being sanctified and everything else. But God takes the responsibility that through his Holy Spirit, he's going to continue doing a work on the church. Right. He also tells us there's wheat and tares in the church. So sometimes tears are falling out, right? Sometimes we just all up in here together and he expects his people by faith to keep charging forward even when things look a little shaky sometimes. You get where I'm coming from? So when somebody's called into the church, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. When I counsel men about marriage, right, I always point them to this scripture. Um, one, to strengthen their understanding of the church and it's important. To alleviate the idea that all is lost when the church proves itself not to be perfect. To let them know that's not a sign to jump ship, right? Because the God's love for the church is so much that he committed to sanctify it. And then I also bring them to the scripture so they can apply the same concept to their marriage. Same way Christ approaches the church with a, with a he's not naive about its brokenness, right? Because he fully understands that his blood is fully competent to cleanse it. But he's also in step to sanctify it. And so same thing with young fellas. I'm like, your homie, you're not perfect and your wife is not perfect. And you believe some other stuff if you believe that when you got marriage. Don't be naive. You're actually called to sanctify her, to love her in a way. She's called to submit to you. And you're called to literally lay your life down on the line for her. Right. So God don't just fix stuff by saying act right. Right. He gives us our spirit, his spirit, and he starts doing a work and he calls us both to him. So when he's saying wives submit to your husbands, he's actually talking about submit to me. And this is my will for you to submit to your husbands. Husbands. Lay your life down like you see you saw me lay my life down for the church. And then it's the vision you all have. Eventually, it's going to disappear and you all are going to be as one. Do you get where I'm coming from? His blood actually accomplishes that. We see this also in the Bible. I'm getting off text, but I'm going to just hit it so you can get the concept. We see it in the Bible also when it talks about slavery. Because he says to the slave master, hey, I'm God. I'm watching you. You better watch how you move with your slave. He looks at the slave and he says, hey, honor your slave master, right? He's, in Proverbs, he says, he talks about the slave eventually becoming a son and an heir of the slave master, right? God ain't okay with slavery. Mankind is okay with slavery. But the way God does away with slavery is he calls us to honor God, therefore honor each other, honor God, honor each other to the point where the idea of being a slave and a slave master has now disappeared in Christ. Do you get where I'm coming from? God is playing a whole nother game. He's playing another game. It's hard for us to catch because we're so used to trying to bring him down to figure this stuff out. But he's doing this beautiful thing where they're becoming one. And Christ is doing the same thing as he loves the church. He's sanctifying the church. And we're being pulled deeper into Christ. So with these new members today, their declaration to be committed to a church and committed to a body and committed to the work of the Father, what we're stepping into is something that is not perfect. It's not, it's not always together, but we're committed to work through the mess. We're, we're committed to letting Christ sanctify us and keep wooing our hearts together closer to him and closer to each other and building unity for his glory, right? For the glory of the Father. Y'all with me? All right. Verse 28, I'm going to finish this out. It says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. 
he who loves his wife loves himself, right? So he's giving you an example here. He says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. And in verse 23, he says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, right? So he's mirroring this whole thing going on here, right? He says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. 30, look at this, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. So in verse 30, when he says, because we are members of the body, and he, he proceeds that with 29, he says, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. He is actually, that, that is also put an implication on how we as members are to actually love our church. Not because we're just zombies and we go around and we get the tattoo on our arm and be like, I'm from the ville and represent and all that. Not just because of that, but you can do that. If you want to get the throat tattoo, we'll, we'll pay for it, whatever. It's free advertisement. Just holler at us or whatever. We'll take a collection up for it. But I'm just saying, it's deeper than that. It's us mirroring God's commitment to the body, right? And we're part of the body. And he makes this statement like, nobody despises their own flesh, right? So when you war against the church or you war against your brothers and sisters in the church, you're despising your own flesh. It's one of the ideas that's, that's being, being, being hit here, is that when, you, when you're doing something else, you're actually fighting against what God has called us into, right? This beautiful thing, this, the church, his bride, Right? So let's talk about the members of the bride, right? How do they walk, how do they talk, and how do they live? I'm not going to get super deep on this, but let me just touch this really fast. John 10, 23 through um, 29 through 30 says this, And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. And then listen to what he says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. So the members, right, they hear his voice, and they follow. That's how we move. We follow Jesus, right? So church isn't about loyalty to church. It's about loyalty to Jesus Christ. And it's about us being transformed by Christ, and Christ builds the church, right? We hear his voice. He points us to what's precious to him, his body. The members that make up his body are precious, right? We hear his voice. The sheep, we're sheep, and he's the shepherd. Um, Romans 15, 5 through 7, right? says, may God, uh, may the God of endurance and encouragement, this is so gangster, the God of endurance. I don't know if you get tired sometimes, but I do, right? This is our father right here. It's one of his titles. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. With one voice, glorify God, the Father in, of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So in this scripture, what it's pointing us to is that the body is called to be one voice. So it means that we're unified in the blood of Jesus, his word, and his spirit. We're led by that. That's it, right? That's what, we're, that's what we, we follow Jesus. We're led by his spirit, right? First John, whatever, says that we are to walk in the spirit, right? Galatians 5.22, this is what it tells us about the spirit. It says um, that the fruits of the spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? So these gifts that God gives to the members of the body are powerful for tearing down walls of hostility. So when we talk about the body of Christ and how we move and how we function, we have this calling to literally knock down walls that take people and hold them back, that keep people blinded from Jesus Christ, right? Matthew, Matthew 16, 18, or whatever, Christ tells Peter this right here. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't know if you catch that, but it's talking about hell's gates, right? So hell, Satan's people are the ones hiding behind the gates, so it's saying the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church and its members in it. And it's the body of Christ and believers. It means that we are actually called to storm the gates of hell. And they're going to be back there like, no, please don't give me believers. All right. I hope nobody's recording that. Don't put it on Facebook. Just get out your mind or whatever. This was supposed to be the gate. You didn't catch it. I was down here looking at you. Nobody even stormed the gate. All right. But that's what we do. We storm the gates of hell. We are repairers of the breach where Satan has broken people and broken things and sucked the notion of hope out of the air. Wherever hopelessness reigns in the pillars and constructs that keep it in place are we knock it down. And we do it with the with, with the gifts of the spirit. We do it with long suffering. We do it with patience. We literally love walls until we, we literally love in a way and it's so violent that it literally crumbles walls down to nothing. All right. So that's, the, that's that's what the body of Christ does. That's what God was doing when he was on the cross. I'm in with this really quick or whatever. Right. So this is Acts 20. I'm going to go through 28 through verse 38. So this is this is when Paul is about to leave the church. Right. And Acts. He's about to jump on the ship and he's letting them know it's probably going to be ugly on the other side of this and you're probably not going to see me again, right? And so they're sad. But you know how it goes or whatever. Like when you get ready to leave somewhere um, or you're about to see somebody for the last time, you usually say something deep or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I don't have deep things to say, so I don't normally say anything deep. I just kind of throw a peace sign up and just look like that or do something like that because I can't get the words. But most people, they say something deep. Paul is about to say something super deep and it's super informative about how he sees the body and how he sees the church and what he's saying to the members of the body when he leaves, gets ready to leave, right? Y'all ready? Verse 28, he says this. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers 
to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So he reminds them, keep it in front of you, that the church is precious because it was bought with the blood of Jesus. Don't let that escape you. This is one of the last things he's saying to them. Don't forget this right here, that Christ died, right? Don't take this nonchalantly. Don't take being here Sunday morning. Don't take getting together and having community nonchalantly because literally Christ died that this could be the case, right? So that he's reminding them of that, right? Then verse 20, 29 says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. He gives them an imperative. Therefore, be alert. Right? He's, Paul is not naive that the church is going to experience turmoil. But he's calling the members into alertness. It's the same thing that when we pray for the new members today that we're going to charge them with. Be alert. Care for your church. Don't forget Christ's blood. Purchased it. We don't exist here outside of this. We don't have our friendships and our relationships outside of this. We don't have eternity to look forward to outside of the work of Christ. And I know we're made of flesh and our mind can only grasp so much so it's hard for us to cherish that in the way it should be cherished. But with all you got, keep looking towards the cross and trying to grasp it and try to keep it precious before you, right? It says, therefore, be alert. And then he points them to the example he set. He says, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to, to admonish everyone with tears. He's pointing to, you remember how important it was to me? I put everything into it. Follow that example. He says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Right? So he's saying, I'm commending you, which I'm leaving you. I'm going to leave you in the care of God in the words of his grace, right? He's talking about the scripture. Follow the scripture. It will build you up and it will also point you to the inheritance and keep you safe from sliding from the wolves and their little cute little words. We talked about the other week, the super apostles and all their little flossy, little glossy things that just simply aren't the gospel of Jesus Christ. They sound really good. They sound really moral, but they're not the gospel of Christ who died to save sinners, right? There's no way to be good enough to obtain it. So when they come talking all that be good, super moral talk, but skip over the blood of Christ to do it, he's saying watch out for them. Those are the wolves. It's always about Jesus. And so he says to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. You yourselves, look what he says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That part right there, from 33 to 36, when he, he points them back to himself, and he says, these hands ministered to my necessities. In other words, I didn't take anything that was, that I, 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 didn't, I didn't get you for your money, right? He, he said, I took what was necessary to live. He said, and to those who were, who were with me, right? He said, 
In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Right? So just to bring it together for you, the work of the church is that we actually, the same way we were lavish with mercy and grace and didn't deserve it, the body of Christ is actually called to mirror the work of Christ and do the same. So Paul is saying, stay steadfast when you do this. You saw how I moved. I didn't take anything, but you saw me giving out like crazy. You saw me sitting with you day and night in tears, pushing through that God would be glorified. I made it so nothing would get confused here where you would think that this was about me and me trying to come up. Like I lived in such a way that what spilled off of the table was nothing but love and an example of God's mercy and grace to where you had to look at me and I was so peculiar when it comes to mankind that you were like, I think this brother got God in him. I think he has God in him. That's what God has called the church to be, peculiar in the world like that, right? In verse 36, he said, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was such weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. I'm going to read this last thing really quick, and then we're going to bring the members up. Matter of fact, if you're a member and you got an email about joining the church, about um, you being approved to become a member, can you just go ahead and come over to the wall over here while I'm talking? I'm just going to read the scripture, and you can make your way. Even if you've been here for 20 years, even though the church has only been here five years, you can still go over there, all right? So Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says this. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, Shirk Dog, you can come on up, brother. All right. So, this is a very, very big deal, right? For us to have, like, new members join the church. Because it means that that there's uh, literally strongholds and darkness outside right now shivering. Because they know we're going to start some mess up in the city, all right? We already started mess, but it's a beautiful thing to start some more mess and to see people get the gospel.